Well, I'm really excited for today because not only is today Mother's Day, but I got a special Mother's Day treat for you today that I'm really, really excited about. I, I asked my friend, Pastor Trisha Cook, to come and share God's Word with us today, and I'm just so excited for her. I've known Pastor Trisha for a very, very long time, and uh, have seen God working in her life in so many ways as a mom, as a pastor, as, as a wife, as so many different things, and I'm really just a leader. And so I'm just so excited for you to hear from her today. And so I'm going to invite her to come up here. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to give her a big Koi Rock welcome. All right, let's pray for her real quick. Or we can, or we can start clapping. Either way, we can do either order, whichever you want. All right. Well, hey, let, let's, uh, let's bow our heads here. And if you would, I hope that each and every one of us are coming to church expecting to hear from God today. And so with that, let's pray. And if you even just feel comfortable just to reach your hand out towards Trisha, because I hope all of our prayers is that God would be speaking through her today through his word. So let's pray right now. Father, I thank you so much for your word, that it does not return void, that it changes our lives in so many ways, that it cuts and it does things to us to shape us and mold us. And so today, through your word, we pray we look more and more like you. And God, we, we believe that, man, you, you speak through people in so many different ways. And so, God, I, I pray today that Pastor Tricia uh, would just be led by your word and, and led by your Holy Spirit, and that today you would speak through her in a mighty and powerful way. And we're so excited for what you're going to do. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Can we give it up one more time for Pastor Tricia? Thank you. Well, thank you, and good morning, church. Uh, I am thrilled to be with you here today, and like Pastor Tim said, my name is Pastor, Pastor Trisha Cook, and I am a wife, I am a mother, I'm a pastor, and a realtor. But an interesting fact is Tim and I used to be on staff together at Celebrate, so he oversaw our entire West Side location, and I was the children's pastor there during that time, and I had the opportunity to observe him take on responsibility that was typically reserved for men twice his age. And yet he did so with such drive and intentionality that it could only be Holy Spirit driven. So you have um, someone who is so entirely faith-filled, loving God and loving people. That's exactly who you want leading. And so you are blessed to have uh, people there today. And I know uh, one of the greatest joys of his life is meeting his wife, Bridget. And I absolutely love her. I don't see her. Yes. Oh, she's right behind there. Nope. I saw her earlier. There she is. <laughs> but I do. I love you. And I am so glad that your family is here today and that you have the opportunity uh, to have the Valentines shepherd you in this church at Quarry Rock. Well, Tim said there is a special day today. And I am glad and just honored that I get to celebrate the special uh, celebration of Mother's Day with you. I have the opportunity to have both my mothers here today, as well as some members of my family. And I thought, uh, just out of curiosity, how many people here have or had a mother? Just uh, just curious, okay? Everyone's hand should go up. It was a trick question. Now that we all know that we have something in common, I thought we should celebrate a little bit by a few little mom jokes. You okay with that? We're going to do some mom jokes. This was my kids' favorite when they were little. How do you make a tissue dance? Put a little boogie in it. Someone else has kids here too. Okay, how about this one? What do you call a mother cow that's just given birth? Oh, I gotcha. Decaffeinated. 
All right. Yeah, that's for my coffee drinking friends out there. This is my daughter's joke. How do sheep hold their hair back? With bobby pins. Okay? Well, a friend had asked me if she, uh, if she should have a baby after 40. And I said, no. 40 babies are enough. <laughs> that's plenty. Oh, okay, how many people love to lick the batter if they're making cookies or brownies or whatever, get, kind of lick the beaters, right? Did you know that good moms let you lick the beaters? Yep. But great moms turn the beaters off first. <laughs> yep. And last but not least, we have to throw a knock-knock joke in there. You know how they work, right? Like I say knock-knock, you say, who's there? Oh, you're good. You're good. Okay. Knock-knock. Justin. Just in time to say happy Mother's Day. I know. Well, thank you. You just witnessed the pinnacle of my stand-up comedian career. So thank you for humoring me. Uh, But I am glad that I have real estate and pastoring to fall back on. So I think now's probably a good idea to invite the Holy Spirit into the rest of this message. What do you think? Uh, Let me just pray for us here. (laughs) Lord, I ask that you give us the spirit of wisdom. That is so that we can know you better. Lord, I pray the eyes of our hearts will be opened so that we may know the hope that you've called us to today. Just, Lord, let the Spirit move deeply within us. If there's anything that I say that is not of you, just let it fall on deaf ears. May your word penetrate our soul and spirit today, God. And may we desire to honor you always. Amen. I am going to ask you a question and some questions, and it's questions that I ask myself. So I'm not asking you something that I haven't done myself. But this question is, have you ever felt like something is, has been out of your control? Something is out of your control. Maybe you, maybe you wanted something to go one way and it went completely a different direction. Or maybe you've prayed for something for so long and it just it either hasn't happened yet or it isn't necessarily happening the way that you thought it would. Anyone been there? Okay, thank you for being honest, because I deal with this regularly, and my family knows that if I'm dealing with something, I get into mad cleaning mode. Anyone else with me? Yep, I need to order the chaos in my life, so that's the way I take care of it. And yet, I want to share with you today that if that is something that you're dealing with, if you ever feel like something is out of your control, you're not alone. We're going to hear two stories today. One happened in the Old Testament— One happened in the New Testament. And yet, listen closely, because we're going to catch some similarities that maybe in their actions and their words that play out together. So let's start. We're going to start in Numbers 22. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background here, because the Israelite people, they were on their way to the land that God had promised them. And throughout their journey, God was with them, and he had given them victory over their enemies. So now they were actually camped in Moab, which was east of the Jordan River. And I have a map here that we can show you if we want to bring that up. You can see that this is where the Israelites were camped. They were kind of where that darker blue line is on the um, east side or on the, it would be your right. They're right above the Dead Sea on the east side of the Jordan River, and they're camped right there. And the Moabite king sees this. He has seen and heard what the Israelites did to his other enemy. He's terrified. He does not want these Israelites to come. And so he asks for this prophet named Balaam to come curse the Israelites. Because he knows from previous experience, whoever Balaam blesses, 
gets blessed, but whoever Balaam curses gets cursed. And so King Balak, he sends his upper echelon of, uh, so it's like the high-ranking officials. They come and they show up at Balaam's place and they have gifts, they have money, and they're boosting his ego. Because who wouldn't want to hear the whole, I don't know if you're Star Wars fans, but Obi-Wan, you're our only hope, right? Or this is superhero stuff right here because the bat signal is on. You get to throw your cape on and save the day. Who wouldn't want to do that? But guess what Balaam does? He gets on his mighty steed, his donkey, and goes anyway, right? I need to back up just a little bit because this is what happened right previous to that. And if we have the, the slide that says Numbers 22, 12, Balaam wanted to go, but God. But God had said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. God knew Balaam's heart. Maybe he knew Balaam, or pride maybe, was Balaam's greatest vice. Or maybe he couldn't be trusted when there was money and fame and boosting of the ego involved. But that is what I just told you. What does Balaam decide to do? He goes anyway. Anyone relate? I, I can. I want to do it on my way. But this, this is where our story gets a little bit strange. When Balaam is riding his donkey, she abruptly veers off the road, she smashes his leg against the wall, and then she lays down. And you might think that's not a big deal, right? That's just a stubborn donkey. Until she talks. Any kids in here watch Shrek? Right? That's where they got this from, okay? Maybe. I don't know what the writers did. But she does. She talks. Can you imagine that? There is something that this whole time she had seen an angel on the road. So kind of right where Sherry's sitting, pretending there's an angel on the road and this donkey wants to get away from it. But each time her rider beats her to get her back on course. And that is in verse 28 and 30. It says the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden? To this day, have I been in the habit of doing this to you? Imagine being Balaam right now. I have never heard an animal talk, but he is in this high-ranking official's entourage, and he has to have an animal get his attention because he's too blindsided to see what was right in front of him. That might have been a little embarrassing for him. But what I think is interesting is what happens next. Then the Lord opens Balaam's eyes so he could see the angel. And in verses 32 and 35, it says, look. The angel says, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Now who sounds like the donkey? Balaam confesses his sin at this point. And the angel tells him, now you can go with these men. Your heart's at a point now that you can go with these men, but only say what I tell you to say. In verse 38, Balaam arrives to King Balak, and this is what he says. Look, I've come, but I have no power to say what I want. 
I will speak only the message God puts in my mouth. And then Balaam turns to the wilderness. He turns. And this is significant because if to turn, you have to change course, don't you? You have to take a right. You have to take a left. Maybe you're taking a U-turn. But he is turning. His perspective is changing. He's seeing something different than he had seen before. Uh, I brought an example here, and I know for Mother's Day, sometimes you put flowers in a vase, and I have a picture of a vase here to show you. And I think, it, can you see the, the black vase there? Okay, what if I tell you it's not a vase? Oh, some of you have seen this. Yes, it's two faces, two profiles looking at each other. Do you see that now? Isn't that crazy? Maybe something that we see that we know without a shadow of a doubt, this is truth, and this is exactly what it is. Maybe there's a bigger picture. Maybe there's a God that knows something more than we do, and we're trying to control and go our direction, and yet there's a different perspective. It's not the black and white that we think it is. There might be some gray there that we're not aware of. I'd like to read what happens next out of the Word of God, because in Numbers 24, 2 through 7, something miraculous happens. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him. And he spoke this message, the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one who eyes see clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys, they spread out like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets and their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agog. Their kingdom will be exalted. And I'm going to skip down to the very bottom because he ends it by saying, may those who are blessed be blessed, or may those who bless be blessed, and those who you curse be cursed. That's not what King Agog, or King, I'm sorry, King Balak wanted here, did it? That's not at all what he wanted Balaam to say. So who feels out of control in this moment? Because he thought he could control what was going to happen, but God. Now, I'm going to ask you to just keep this story filed away. Can you do that with me? Just keep this story filed away. This is the Old Testament. We're going to come back to it, but we're going to fast forward a few thousand years. Ready? We are going to go to the New Testament, Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. It is here where we're going to meet a faithful couple, and they've served the Lord for years. They've observed God's commands, and yet there's still a significant pain in their life. They haven't been able to have children. And I wonder what their conversation has been. Um, maybe some of you have been through that. And it's not like they didn't try, right? But yet in verses 4, I'm sorry, verse 7, it says they're both very old. Then, then the husband, Zechariah, he gets called into a once-in-a-lifetime service at the tabernacle. And while he's there, he gets another once-in-a-lifetime experience for him, an angel appears. Remember that? And here the verse, we'll look at the screen here. The angel says, don't be afraid, Zachariah. I love that you read from Joshua and you're talking about be strong and courageous. 
because that is exactly what God wants us to do. Don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. Okay, in this moment, Zachariah is stunned. He's waited his whole life up until this point, and he's old. And I'm not going to begin to put a number on what old is because I'll get in trouble. But if you are old and you've been praying for something your whole life, you might get a little jaded and think, I've been praying for this my whole life. For real, is this really going to happen? Because I don't believe it. Now that it's actually here, because of Zachariah's unbelief, that prompts the angel to exclaim, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Has anyone lost their voice before? Okay, we do have some people. More on this side for some reason. I don't know why that is. But maybe, maybe you've been singing and your voice is strained. Or maybe, maybe you got sick and had laryngitis. Or maybe you've been screaming too loud at a ball game. Maybe did I catch some of those? So you usually have to rest it for like two or three days. Right? Or maybe extreme cases, maybe two or three months. So imagine not being able to speak for nine months. Nada. Nothing. Nine months. And now the moment that Zachariah has his little bundle of joy is about to be born. And he's so excited. And people are asking him, what are you going to name him? And he can't say anything. So you know what he does? He takes out a tablet and he writes, J. O H N John. It's that faith in action, so to speak, that releases. And we get to hear Zachariah's first words today. And this is Luke 1, verses 67 through 79. So his father, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all our days. And you, my child, you will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Isn't that interesting? After all that time of waiting, Zachariah's first words were praising God. Yes, he acknowledges that his son is a gift Absolutely. And yet everything that we just read that he, saw, he said was praising and pointing toward Jesus. You want to know something cool that I found when I was researching these scriptures is Zachariah's son, John, did a lot of ministry along the Jordan River. 
And the day that Jesus was baptized, John was actually across the river from Jericho and Bethany. And I'd like, if you can bring that, that map up, because I'd like to show you where Jesus was baptized. Does that look a little familiar? Can we get that other map up where Balaam saw the Israelites camped? Interesting. These seemingly disconnected Old Testament and New Testament stories are yet interconnected. They were prophesying Jesus all from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and yet scriptures are supernaturally threaded through. And I need to share something with you today. Because as when we remember our story about Balaam, right? What I think is interesting is if we compare the two, both men had a supernatural experience, right? They saw an angel. I don't know if anyone here has seen an angel, but that is pretty significant to happen to two different people. And yet when they did, their hearts were changed. They were humbled and they prophesied about Jesus and God was glorified. People were blessed. And we know about them today because of their story of surrender to the Holy Spirit. I think this played out beautifully in our stories because when their hearts were humbled, the spirit of the Lord came upon them. The spirit of the Lord came upon them. And the words that came out were truth and life. And that's exactly what the spirit does. He guides us into all truth. He makes known to us what he receives from the Father, and that gives God glory. You see, the whole, same Holy Spirit that came upon Balaam in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit that came upon Zechariah in the New Testament, and that same Holy Spirit is available to us today. Friends, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. That, there's no such, no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Yet, I know this is something I struggle with. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit's not easy. It's a weekly, if not daily, struggle. Because what we want and what the Spirit wants are two different things. We want this, and the Spirit wants this. We're on this side, and the Spirit's on this side, and yet... If we can get to the point of aligning our desires with God's desires, that's where that beauty and blessing comes. Because Balaam was enticed by riches. Zechariah doubted God and both trusted what they could understand. I don't blame them. I don't. I've been there. I do that. What I think is interesting is they both they both acknowledged their motives behind their decisions and desires than that they were in contrast to what God wanted. I, had, I put in here, I read a book in seminary. Uh, it was called Ministry in the Image of God. And I'm going to read a quote in there that actually stood out to me. It says, It is our determination to be independent by being in control that makes us unavailable to God. I'm going to say that again because I need to hear that. It's our determination to be independent by being in control that makes us unavailable to God. Those who are filled with a spirit, they've died to that determination. They've surrendered their right to control. They've made themselves dependent on the Holy Spirit. And it's only through that relationship with a father 
that if we're to do ministry, if we are to serve, if we are to live out our purpose, and if it's to be fruitful, not just merely productive, it must be through the Holy Spirit. Let's think about this personally. Because remember these questions that I started with? Like, do you ever feel like you're out of control? And what do you do about it? I have to ask myself, what am I desiring? What is pulling me towards what I can see, what I can understand? And what, how is it even possible? Can I release that control? I mean, because why would we listen to the Holy Spirit? I could tell you it's so that we could glorify God and bless others. But why don't we? Why don't I? I think sometimes it's because we're seeking, desiring maybe a prize that we can control and see in this lifetime. We heard about that again. Balaam, Zechariah, Balaam tempted with accolades. Zechariah treasured his family legacy, and yet they realized their desires were temporal compared to the everlasting grace through Jesus. Now that I share that, I can tell you a visual reminder that you have right here in this church. If you're here on the weekends, you get to see it every weekend. If you're online, you can see it. It's right behind me. The cross. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of what it looks like to surrender. And in that song that we were singing, how great thou art, just that burden was on the cross. He took that on us. And when we focus our mind, our will, our emotions on Christ, then we can open ourselves to receive what the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he can give us, that love that outpours, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the kind of control we're looking for. My encouragement to you today is to focus on the posture of the cross. When our hearts are humble and repentant, like our Bible characters today, and by releasing maybe our perceived control over those situations, we can allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives so we can truly love God and love others. So let me pray for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That comes from Romans 15, 13. Amen.